just good to be in God's house today. It's good to be with each other. It's good to be around His Word. Please take your seats for a few moments. Over the next few weeks, we're going to do a series called Spokes. And I'm just wondering, how many spokes could I take out of this wheel before it didn't work? If I took one out, maybe it would function. If I took two out, maybe it would function. Over the next uh, six, seven, eight weeks, we're going to talk about six we're going to talk about six essential spokes that you will need, that you cannot take out. And in a sense, I'm going to talk about a foundational thing today uh, that, that is just not, it's just immovable. And that's your relationship with God. And I, I, I don't really know how to describe a relationship with God in some ways because it's both an art and a science. But in our relationships, one of the things that we really need to understand that our relationship with God has uh, this element of trust in it. And I want to really uh, get you to, in a sense, the first thing is to understand that trust is, is really important. You know, Kathy and I have been married for 40 years. Uh, when I first met Kathy... She was playing the piano in church. You didn't know she could play the piano, did you? You know, she's kept that really secret, hasn't she? And uh, long flowing hair. I thought I was falling in love with the Timothée lady. Do you remember the the shampoo lady, you know, with the long hair? And it was just great. Now, Kathy, we've been, and please, for those of you who think that uh, pastors abuse their wives, we've already talked about this and set this up, okay? So uh, this is not spontaneous, but it does take trust. So, Kathy, we've been married 40 years, and, and you trust me by now, don't you? Yes. You know that if... <laughs> Can you say that a bit louder, Kathy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because you know that if I ask you to fall back, I'm going to catch you. Yes. That, you know, even though uh, that I'm in front of all these people, that, you know, you've got the trust in me to do that. You see, what happens in your relationship with God, the more you walk with Him, the more you get to trust Him. Isn't, isn't that true? You know, but even if you don't know Him, He can catch you. Now, there's lots of people saying amen, but there might be some people in this room where you say, well, look what happened to me. But whatever happens to you, God can catch you. Do you trust me, Kathy? I do. You do? Yes. Okay. You'll be in trouble if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> Turn that way. So, you see, when I say fall, Kathy, I'm just going to catch you. Who believes that this is going to be all right? You you think it's okay? Okay. Go. Go. Oh, it's all right. It's all right. Now, we've known each other a long time, and and that's all what it is about. One part of your relationship with God is is just knowing that when you fall, he's going to catch you. Ian, how long have we known each other, bro? You're a little bit bigger than Kathy. Do you believe that if you fell back that I could catch you? Uh, you do? You know, no matter how big you are, you might be as big as Ian. 
He can catch you. He won't let you fall. I don't know whether you've had this experience when you're children, uh, if you, those of you got pa- parents and you've got children, have you ever noticed that sometimes they don't listen to you? Or was that just my two girls? That, you know, they say, yes, mom, yes, dad, but they're not listening really. Have you noticed that? Have you, have you seen that? You can speak to them and you just know that they're not listening. Has that ever happened to any parent in the place? How about this? Have you ever been in a relationship and you're good friends and you say, let's do coffee sometimes, and it never happens? Has that happened to you? Have you said, you know, oh, we must go out and eat, and you're still waiting on that? All right, don't get so pained about it. It happens. It happens to all of us. Don't start whispering names to each other. Yeah, that rotten guy. He's never... But you know, really, one of the things that we all suffer with is good intentions. God, I want to trust you. I will fall, Lord, but I do intend to believe you. One of the very worst things, you know, for a minister is to have the same words spoken over us as, the, as was the, to the Ezekiel, the prophet, in chapter 33. The worst thing for me and for any of the people who lead a church is that we become mood music in your life. That actually, you, you kind of think, well, yeah, that's kind of okay, but it's not really something you listen to. Listen to what uh, the Lord said to Ezekiel, uh, the prophet in the Old Testament, chapter 33, verse 31. He says, my people come to you as they usually do and sit before you and hear your words, but you do not put your trust but they do not put their trust in them and into practice. Their mouths speak of love, but their hearts can be greedy for unjust gain. Indeed, to them you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well. For they hear your words, but do not put them into practice. How many of you think that one of the uh, biggest dangers of church is we come and hear some great stuff, But does God want you to put something into practice today? And Ezekiel was told that, hey, when all this stuff comes to pass, they will know that there was a prophet amongst them. And I'm not comparing myself to Ezekiel in a way, but we haven't come here today not to take something away and do something. You know, I had an email just a couple of weeks ago and from somebody we'd we'd, we'd just try to help and, and the... The email was, Pastor Mark, I'm really sorry that we didn't take your advice and now I'm in a mess and will you forgive me and can I come back to the church and all of that. And of course people can come back and of course there's redemption and restoration and of course we'll work through the ensuing things. But why don't we all make a decision right now that we say to ourselves, I'm going to do something. I'm not going to let church be mood music in my life. I'm going to say, this relationship with God that I have is something that won't be like the crowd and like everything else and, and, and all my other categories of relationship. That actually, this relationship won't be polite. It, it won't be the thing that, that kind of says... Oh, you know what? Uh, if, if it suits me, I'll follow it. That actually this relationship 
it's going to be a definer for my life. That I'm actually going to dig down into it. You see, unlike other relationships of, of crowd and what have you, other relationships in our lives tend to have different kind of levels. And unlike those relationships where we might be one amongst many, and, and we have a teacher who's a part of a relationship, we have a boss, or we have friends, and we have different levels in all of those relationships. This relationship has very key elements to it. The first one is that your relationship with God is foundational. The Bible says, in Him we live and move and have our being. In other words, it's the relationship that defines me. Have you noticed when people get to know you quite quickly? In fact, we've even done it today by introducing guests and saying, oh, what do you do? What do you study? We ask what people do. And, and in those asking of what people do, whether they say I'm this or that, we kind of uh, you know, ass- assign what they are in our lives. But it's very different for you as a Christian. Because you're defined not by what you do, but by whom you belong to. And that's the big difference. You can have any status, uh, different type of job, different type of status in life, but it's whom you belong to that defines you. And that's why the relationship with God is foundational to your life. You're not defined by what you do. That is an add-on to who you are. But you are more defined foundationally to whom you belong to. And this is why in the Old Testament that God would often say to Israel, why are you running after that person? Why are you giving your belonging to that person and that person or that God and that God? You belong to me. In fact, doesn't the Lord say, you are mine, says the Lord. Now this is the real issue about it. It's not that God is just possessive in the sense he just likes a big crowd so he can make himself feel better. It's when you are attached to him, he can flow his character and strength and everything to you. It's not for his benefit that we belong to him. It's for our blessing that we get to share in his nature. So the relationship with God doesn't repress us or diminish us. Our relationship enriches us. It's foundational. The second thing about our relationship to God is that it's trusting. That it is that you cannot get past the fact that you have to understand that you are going to have to fall into his arms. And and in this message, please, I've compared myself to Ezekiel and now I'm comparing myself to God. Please, none of those things are true. But you have to learn to say, I'm falling, catch me. You have to have that fundamental commitment that says, God, I really want to trust you right now. That's part of the deal. He will never take that part out of the relationship. Faith, without real works and trust, it's dead. The third part of your relationship with God is that it is a relationship. And somebody has defined the word relationship as like this, love with rules. 
You know, if you enter into a relationship and you begin to say, we are connected, there's going to be some ways in which that relationship flows. In fact, Jesus said it this way. He said, if you love me, he said it strongly, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He said that in John chapter 15. And the relationship with God isn't something that's just random. There was two ladies who, and Jesus was coming to their house to eat. And of course, Mary, who chose to sit at Jesus' feet, emphasized the love side of the relationship with God. In fact, she was commended for that. Paul said, listen, we preach, but we're compelled to preach. The love of God compels us to do what we do. So you can't have a relationship that doesn't have this furnace fuel of love. And can I just pause here? For those of you who are in a relationship, and you're having to work too hard at it, there's some love missing there. And, and, if, and if some chap or some gal is, you know, kind of, you know, it's just really hard all the time, you need to question that relationship. Because real relationships have this fuel where you love each other, and, it, and it's okay. But Martha, when she was um, being uh, busy about the house, she forgot the love side of it and got into the details. And, and in a sense, we, we kind of say that Mary's got it right. But in, some, in all relationships, there will be some details. And as I said earlier, Jesus said, if you love me, you will do some things. Now, there are some Christians who just want to say that, that love is just, uh, loving God is just so random. I, I just do whatever the Lord, Lord wants in the spur of the moment. But do you know that he set some things out for you to do regularly and consistently? And he says, that's how you love me. A relationship with God is foundational. We get our definition from it. A relationship from God is trusting. We, we have to learn to put our weight on him. And a relationship with God is loving, but it has some rules. And depending on how seriously you take those three things, there'll be some people here who you're not serious about your love to God, and you're not serious about trusting Him, or you get your definition from everybody else except God. Depending on how seriously you take those things, it will mean that your relationship has fallen into one of three categories. The first category is that, is that some of you will have a growing relationship with God, a deepening relationship with God, and I pray that that's all of us. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3 says this, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. And that's the relationship we want. A growing relationship. And one of the signs of a growing relationship is that your love is growing for each other. Now, here we are in a city church. And it's so easy in a city church to all buzz about and think, well, I don't know everybody. But every single week, why don't you make 
a little bit of an effort to deepen your relationship with somebody here. Can I hear a big amen? You know, that, that we kind of say to ourselves, I'm going to grow in my relationship with God. And one of the overflows is that I'm going to try and grow in my relationship with somebody else. Another category of relationship is, however, for some of us who have known God at some point, and that because of what, because we haven't trusted Him in some way, because we've kind of thought we could love God on our own terms, and we haven't really seen the rules, that we become disconnected. Colossians chapter 2 says, they've lost connection with the head from whom the whole body is supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews because it's that that makes it grow as God causes it to grow. You see, God's relationship with you has to be a connected one. And because perhaps of things that have happened that you've let him go or you've let it go, and it's because somehow you've felt that you haven't trusted him in some way. And so today, if you feel, you know what, I come to church and I'm a bit disconnected, then you are disconnected. You can put that right today. You can say about your connection to God, God, I am reconnecting with you today. It's a sorry away, it's a prayer away. How about it, church? How connected are you? And I would imagine that there may be some people here, and you will know in your own heart, if it's true of you, that perhaps you fall into the third category, that you might be drifting. You know, you know the stuff. You, you're a kind of mature Christian. You know all the Bible stories. You've been to church a lot, perhaps. Your relationship with God is actually fading. You have moved from the point of reference that you used to have, and actually what's happening is, is other things are dictating your main direction in your life. Other things are becoming more important to you than this foundational relationship. And what happens is, we begin then to start to drift. The book of Hebrews is a book where it tells you that Jesus is better. He's better than angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than the tabernacle. He's better than the old ceremony in the law. And one of the things that it says in the book of Hebrews is, is that we have to understand that, that you can neglect the great thing that Jesus has done. In fact, it says, one of the verses says, how will we escape if we neglect such greater salvation? In chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, We must pay careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we don't drift away. And that's the key to drifting. We have stopped paying careful attention. Church is a routine. My Christianity is a routine. Life's a routine. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think you can live as a Christian on a knife edge, you know, thinking that your name's written in pencil in the book of life in case it gets rubbed out at any moment. I'm not saying that. But what we need to do is make sure that we are saying, 
this relationship, I'm giving it attention. You will not drift into purpose. You will not drift into fullness. You will not drift into everything that God has for you. You have to give it some attention. It's important. So how can we build this relationship with God? There is a sense in which we need some disciplines. And on Wednesday night, we'll talk a little bit about them, although I'm going to talk something particular on Wednesday night. And we do need some disciplines. And so if you're going to build your relationship with God, it's important that you get back into saying, okay, I'm going to put some time and discipline into it. I don't particularly talk about those today, but William Booth, who was the foundation of the Salvation Army, put it this way. He said, I do promise God that I will rise early every morning and spend not less than five minutes in private prayer. And I hereby vow to read no less than four chapters in God's Word. I will develop a spirit of self-denial and I will yield myself as a prisoner of love to the Redeemer of the world. Hey, BCC, I wonder if we could say, I'm going to pray five minutes a day. And, and there'll be some holy ones amongst you who say, five minutes, that's rubbish. We should be seeking God. We should be knocking on heaven's door. If that's your journey, great, go and do it. But everybody else, can we all just say, I'm just going to spend a little bit of time with God each day. Could we read four chapters? And could we, could we begin to say, you know what, I'm going to deny myself everything that comes to me. I'm not going to say I automatically feel entitled to it. I'm going to have a spirit of self-denial where I'm going to say, God, is this what you want for me? And if you do that, then you'll begin to grow in your relationship with God. But that's the discipline side of things. I actually just want to talk to you about two fuels and actually only one, really. Everybody in the house, would you, if you've got a Bible, would you, or on your phone or your iPad, turn to the book of James, chapter 1. I want to read you just uh, six verses because a very important fuel is learning as you go through it. If you want to build a relationship with God, you've got to pick up this sense of, God, I am hearing what you're saying as I am going through this. And then you will grow with it. We're not going to take too long, but listen to this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you get a new television, or you've got a brand new car, or you stay in a five-star hotel, or you eat a gourmet meal. Consider it pure joy. doesn't say that, does it? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials, look at this, of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance Finish its work. Why? So that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, 
You must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. I just want to just keep that passage open to you. Let me just pick out a few principles of how we can learn as we go through something. Number one, when something happens to you and begins to happen to you, check your attitude. The Bible says, count it pure joy when or as you are falling into trials. Are you like me? I like to determine everything. You know, if I go to the grocery store, if I go to the supermarket, I want, I, in my mind, this is what should happen. I walk down the aisle and everything kind of falls into my basket. Then I go to the shortest line and the shortest line happens and I get that grocery in my bag straight away. And actually, somebody helps me put it in there and packs it in all neat because I'm rubbish at packing on a Kathy, please. That's a confession. You know, and I, I just think then I walk out and just as I walk out, the bus comes to the bus stop just as I hit the bus stop and it gets along and as I get off the bus, it stops raining and I walk to my house. That's my perfect grocery store shopping trip. How about you? Do you have this kind of sense? I've determined how things should go. And then as soon as a trial comes, because it goes against that determination of how things should go, that you kind of begin to say to yourself, well, this shouldn't be. You're already miserable five minutes into the trial. James says... Check your attitude, count it pure joy, because this is what he's saying. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know I'm going to get something out of this. And that's part of learning as you go. Lord, I don't quite know why this is going to happen, but I do know that I am going to get something from this. And if you can go into a trial that way, you can begin to say, okay, you've allowed this. I'm going to begin to check my attitude. And the Bible says there will be lots of varied ways in which you will face trials. So you must expect them because God wants you to get lots of things out of as you go. Try and refuse that predetermined attitude. Second thing. See the end when you're in the middle or even near the beginning. The Bible says testing produces something. Did you notice what it produces? It produces perseverance. Perseverance is the ability to go further. Testing produces in your life the ability to go further than what you could have done had that test not have happened. Have you noticed that some Christians say, Lord, make me patient? And the Bible says, tribulation produces patience. So if you pray that prayer, you're going to get some testing so that the patience can come. 
So secondly, understand that you've got to start seeing when you're in the middle of your trial, I need to know that the other side of this, I am going to be a richer, stronger person who can go further person. That's what's going to happen to me. I'll have the ability to go further. It's really important. And it keys into the third thing I want to say to you is, don't jump out of a test too early. The Bible says it must finish its work. It has to finish so that you get everything out of it that you were designed to get out of it, whether it's maturity, whether it's completeness. But don't jump out of it too early. Now, I'm not a cook. I I wish I was. In fact, at the marriage seminar yesterday, Nick, Kathy and I have decided we're going to go on a cookery course together. Probably an Indian one, which is pleasing me. But I'm not really a good cook at all. I can do a good bacon sandwich. That's it. So if anybody wants a bacon sandwich, I'm your man, okay? But I've learned something. I know that if you put a cake in, don't take it out early. Am I right, by the way? Because it'll collapse. I know that if you put something else in, that I don't know. Bread. If you put bread in and you take it out early, it collapses or it doesn't rise. God's got you where he's got you. Don't bail on him. Don't try and run to the end prematurely because he's developing things in your life he's strengthening you he's making it so that it can finish its work and I I just sense in my spirit there are people who want to bail and God's saying let it finish now fourthly what I'd like to say to you is don't just muddle through that the Bible says And if you do lack anything, and if you lack wisdom, you can ask God consistently and intentionally. You can ask God and pray to God, and he'll give you the surprise of wisdom and the surprise of direction. He will give you that. And so we're not just to muddle through our trials, but to consistently and intentionally pray, seek God and say to God, God, I'm coming to you. Please tell me what to do. And he will download, develop in, and and through other people, counsel in the wisdom that you need. But God is not somebody who just looks at his children and then says, well, just have a go. Me and Kathy have a phrase, oh, we're having a go. Well, actually, God doesn't just leave us just to have a go and muddle through. He says, if you ask me for wisdom, I'll give it to you. So you have to consistently pray as you go. Lastly, I talked about trust today. And James says that you have to trust God in a way strongly mentally. 
When it says in the Bible that a double-minded man asks, and, and yet if you're double-minded, is unstable in all his ways, what it means in the original language is, is that it actually means two-faced. It means that you're looking both ways at the same time, or what you're doing is you're saying, well, if God doesn't work out, I've got option B and option C, and you're considering other options. And what James is saying, stop considering every option and make God your only hope. Make God and his way your only option, and it will work for you. But if you're considering all the time of, of how to be, well, if this doesn't work, maybe I could do something else, you will not progress. Learn as you go through it by trusting strongly mentally. I'm going to ask Natalie and the team to come, but I just want to mention the second fuel. And actually, I'm going to really just teach into this Wednesday night. You know, Wednesday night, our spokes meeting will be a, a time of uh, prayer and refreshing. But let me just share this with you. If you want to grow and build a relationship with God, you have to put yourself in environments where you get input, where you can actually hear what the Word of God is. Now, for those of you here who have ever been in love, or has anybody been in love, by the way? Am I the only one? It gets lonely up here sometimes. You know, you, you might have been in love, even if it hadn't worked out for you, by the way, and you st don't start crying on me. Or if you've got a boss at work or some friends, or you've got a boss and, and you're, you're thinking, I wonder what my boss thinks about me. Or you've got some relationships where you think, I wonder, I wonder if that's okay. Isn't it nice, isn't it wonderful when the other person who you're wondering about, you know, the first time Kathy kind of, Laughed at my jokes and I thought, hmm, I think she's interested. <laughs> you know, isn't it nice when you get a word back that kind of confirms that they are feeling what you're feeling? When your boss at work says, good job. That's exactly how you build a relationship with God. You've got to start learning to hear his now word to you. In the Old Testament, there was a, a king called Josiah. And uh, after many years, he found the law and they dusted it off and they read it. And then when he heard what they were supposed to do, it was a now word to him. He tore his robes and, and a prophetess actually said to him, because you have been responsive, disaster is not going to become on, on you. And one of the ways we can be is we need to learn to be responsive to what God is saying to me now. So can I ask you to get you to stand with me, please? You see, our first spoke is our relationship to God. It's a trusting, foundational, loving relationship. But you know that there are things that can cloud that relationship. There are things that we can do. And let's just use old language and non-sensitive language. The Bible says there are sins that we can commit 
which actually puts a cloud in our relationship. Of course, any sin can be forgiven, except one. And, and that can put a barrier between our relationship with us and God. And so today, if you feel, you know what, I've just been doing something that I just need to get that clear with God, why don't you tell Him about it and ask Him to forgive you and that relationship can be restored today. And the thing that Christians do is, and again, I'm going to use an, an old language, is we, we put things in front of God and we call that idolatry. We say, God, you were once important to me, but now something else is more important to me. And that clouds, breaks our relationship to God. And today I want to ask you to simply come to that point where you say, God, you are the most important relationship in my life. And you know, I've talked a lot about Kathy today and we've already talked about it. So don't get worried. We don't usually talk too much about each other in church. If this is your first time, don't think this is the church that we're just on about the pastor's wife and his, and his marriage. But this is the key to our 40 years marriage. We've always told each other and we've actually said it out loud and we say it regularly. I love you second best. I love Jesus more than I love you. And, and Kathy, if you had a microphone, you could say that out loud to, you'd say, I love Jesus more than I love you, Mark. That's been the key. And so I want to say to you, in your relationship with God, don't put your kids, your wife, anything, your career before Him. It's the second commandment. You'll have no other gods before me. Don't put anything in front of that relationship. But you will not be diminished. You will only be enriched and filled. So I'm asking you today, will you build your relationship with God? Will you begin to say, I'm going to give this attention, I'm going to give it detail.